You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, Randeep Jainda going to join us. Canucks analyst for Sportsnet 650 on the Bull Horvat trade. A little bit of a deal. Yeah. Um, why now? That's the best offer they were going to get. It's wild that Sean Monahan and Bo Horvat were both traded within six months of each other after being three picks away from each other all the way back in that 2013 draft. Yep. Um, wild. We'll, we'll get Randy's take on that because I, I would imagine um, a lot of uh, fans in Vancouver uh, not really happy with the return. Like, not really happy with the return. Frankly, I didn't see, like, the initial tweet, I always love to just do a scroll through and see which fan base is more upset. And I thought both fan bases were pretty upset with it. Yeah. Uh, they were heated. Uh, definitely heated. Um, we can get the opinion of our next guest on that deal as well, and For the sure. Calgary Flames. Uh, Flames Sportsnet analyst, three-time Olympic gold medalist on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Megan Mickelson. Megan, how are you? Thanks for this. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for jumping on. So I've asked this question uh, to Jen Botterill, who we had on, to um, your very decorated Olympian, two gold medals and a silver. Where do you keep the silver, Megan? <laughs> now, I'm not diminishing uh, your well, accomplishment. I'm just saying, where's the silver compared to the two gold medals you have? I actually have never been asked that question, um, but they they live together. They all okay. live together. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of people would uh, do anything for an Olympic silver medal, so I keep them all together and, and cherish them. Okay, so there's not like the, the, the ugly like stepchild of the group, and you're like, no. I love you, but you're not the same as the other two gold medals. No, no, I okay. do though. When I do events and whatnot, and I have all three of them with me, it's funny because when you take a photo, people want to take a picture with the gold. Of course. So that's always an interesting debacle. If it's a group, it's like, okay, who gets the the gold and and who gets the silver? So <laughs> bit of a battle there sometimes. I like it. Okay, so so which is is the one at home your favorite in 2010, or is the one in Russia in 2014 oh, your favorite? Which one? It's it's always so hard to answer which one is my favorite. I think Vancouver was amazing, obviously, for anyone who watched those Olympics or were in Vancouver for that entire experience. It was my first Olympics on home soil. Um, you know, I was young. It was it was an incredible first Olympic experience. So I don't know that anything could top winning gold on home soil, but Sochi, I mean, you look at that Olympics and that year for us, it was crazy. There was, we faced a ton of adversity heading into the games. We were on a five game losing streak to the Americans. We'd lost our coach less than two months before the Olympics and brought in Kevin Deneen to take over last minute. And then being down two nothing in the gold medal game with less than three minutes left and coming back, the puck hitting the goalpost. Uh, and then winning in overtime. So that one is more so uh, the way that we won the game that made it so special. So I honestly, I don't think I can pick. If I had to, Mm. I would say Vancouver. 
Okay. Uh, what's oh. better than winning Olympic gold in hockey on home soil? Yeah, that, that was uh, incredible. I have to ask you, too. Uh, you played at Wisconsin for the Badgers. Um, yes. Is the cheese, the beer, and the brats overrated or Wisconsin, <laughs> or is as advertised? I think as advertised okay. and maybe even underrated. Wow. I would say. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Impressive. Uh, I wanted yeah. to ask you about uh, – a young woman who kind of took the internet by storm during the U18 Women's World Championships, the uh, Slovakian Nela Lopusanova, uh, who had the, the Michigan during that tournament, and, and just where the women's game is going, seeing that from a 14-year-old in a U18 tournament was super cool. Yeah, it really was. And I think for me, it really highlights the level of skill that we're starting to see from these young players. Like, you know, you notice that, across all teams at the under 18 level at the development level um you see it in both the the men's and the women's games so it was really cool for for her to do that at the u18 world championships and just to showcase a little bit that you know that level of skill is there and it's not just in canada and the u.s it's internationally like we're seeing there's so many players now that are are developing overseas and and the level of talent that is coming out of you know a variety of of different countries is um, it's really promising. And I think it's a, a good snapshot of, you know, what we're going to see in the future when it comes to the women's game. Who are some of your favorite women to watch play right now? Oh gosh. Well, obviously are, are we talking at the senior international level? Sure. Sure. Wherever. Yeah. Well, obviously Marie flip led. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's always a real treat to watch. Um, I think another one for me is uh, on defense is Claire Thompson. She set the Olympic record for most points by a defenseman at the 2022 Olympics. And she's just a real, she's a dynamic um, defenseman with a lot of offensive upside, but also plays, plays well in the D zone. So um, I love watching her and I have a real appreciation for her game as well as Ella Shelton um, on the back end. Um, and it's funny you asked me this question and <laughs> I automatically go to the defenseman that I like to watch because yeah. I'm a defenseman myself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, Marie Philippe Flynn, obviously she's, you know, I've played with her since 2009, um, and, and watching, you know, that level of skill on a daily basis. I just have a real appreciation for her game and, you know, practicing against her so much. She's, She's really hard to defend. So I love watching her because she's so she's unpredictable. She's dynamic. She's she's so skilled. So I, I love watching her as well. Um, when I watch playing Sa- against her. Yeah. When, when I watch. <laughs> yeah. When I watch uh, Sarah Fillier, I get a lot of Mitch Marner vibes. Do yes. you feel the same so way? Skilled. Yes. Yeah. She would be another another top one for me. And um you know, at the at the last World Championships, I don't play on the power play for anyone um, that watches women's hockey. I'm not a power play specialist, so <laughs> off the glass hard, Megan. Me. Off the glass hard. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, what I was going to say is, it's it's a real treat for me uh, when I'm watching our power play and watching uh, Marie Philip Glenn and Sarah Fillier. Um, and and the magic that they work out on the ice. But I think that we're starting to just, you know, kind of see, you know, the early potential of what Sarah Fillier is is really capable of. And I think she's going to be a big name in the women's game for years to come. 
Megan, you've been doing a great job uh, as an analyst for Flames games with Sportsnet this season. So we'll ask you a little bit about the club as well. They're currently on their long break. They're currently outside of a playoff spot too. But just when you look at this past week for the team, they had a great win against Tampa, a great win against Seattle, snuck one out against Columbus, and then just a putrid game against Chicago. How do you read this team with just uh, 32 games left on the schedule? Yeah, I think it's, you know, and, you know, the past week sort of has, I feel like it's been a pretty good depiction of the entire season in general and and seeing pretty much all sides of the Calgary Flames. And uh, in particular, looking at the game, I, I covered the game on Thursday night against Chicago. And what we saw in that game was a completely different team uh, from Friday. And so for me, it's, a matter of, you know, why are we seeing such a broad spectrum in terms of, you know, they're, they're at one end of the spectrum one night in terms of their play and the complete other. And, you know, how do you, how do you fix that? How do you bring that all together? And, you know, as a player, it, it, it has to be frustrating to have that, uh, you know, level of discrepancy in terms of, you know, playing your worst game one night, literally turning around 24 hours later um, and having an outstanding game. But uh, I think there's, there's so many elements. I think, you know, one of the biggest, the two biggest things that, that kind of stand out for me, uh, one is consistency. Mm -hmm. And as a player, that's, it's one of the hardest things to do is to be able to find out how you bring a consistent game night in and night out. Um, And it's, I think it's every player's individual responsibility to figure out how you do that and what that is. Uh, And then if everybody does that, that's when it comes together and the team can bring a consistent level of play. But there's so many, um, you know, elements that go into that, uh, things that can distract you from that, things that take away from that, you know, whether it's, it's injuries or, uh, trade talk, trade deadline coming up, um, anything like that. Who's in net? Um, what's being said in the media? There's a lot of, you know, outside factors that, you know, can distract you and, and kind of throw you off. But uh, I think, you know, finding a level, a, a great level of play, not just a good level of play, a great level of play that you can bring uh, consistently. Uh, and the second thing for me is like, a level of energy and passion and emotion. And I think, you know, in the game, game against Tampa, you know, and even against Columbus, uh, and I don't know if it was because Johnny Gaudreau was in the building or, or what was going on, but you could see a level of emotion from the players that we haven't always seen. Um, so I think that, you know, that's something that you need to keep an eye on is, you know, your, your level of energy that you're bringing that every single night, but that you're also bringing, you know, that emotion and that passion. Um, obviously you want to keep, keep a good gauge on that. So you're not letting your emotions get away from you. But I think that, you know, for me, those are two, two really big things that, um, you know, sort of the intangibles that I think, could trickle over and, and help their play out. Um, but, I mean, there's so many things that you could break down in terms of, like, the offense. Um, you know, I, mean, I have a ton of thoughts on that, the defensive side of the game. And the goaltender situation, that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other talking point. But um, I think, 
you know, we've seen glimpses of what this team is capable of. So it's just a matter of, you know, can they use this break to reset and come back and, and bring it all together? Megan Mickelson, Flame Sportsnet analyst, three-time Olympic medalist, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, it's been a talking point in this city, the Markstrom versus Ladar debate. And just asking you, as as the level you played at so ridiculously high, um, did it matter? Did, did you think of when you were going to the rink that did it affect your play on who is in net? Because this season, uh, we did a deep dive on the numbers. Yeah, the team does play better with Dan Vladar in net in front of them uh, against a tougher schedule. Did that affect you as a player on who was in net for you? Did you ever think about that when you were heading to the ice? Yeah, it's funny. I've had a number of conversations with people about this and just how, uh, as a player, it's not something that you do consciously. You don't, you know, I guarantee the Flames aren't, you know, heading to the rink one day and saying, oh, Markstrom's in net, so... Uh, we're, we're going to be okay. He'll make some saves. Um, I don't know that that would be the conversation right now, but you know, if that's your starter, um, you know, is there that there's not that conscious, um, you know, we don't have to play as hard. He's going to make the saves for us. We can back off a little bit versus, you know, when your quote unquote backup is starting, uh, you have to try a little bit harder, play a little bit harder. That's not a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing um, that you that <laughs> I think it does actually affect your play, honestly, and and who's in net. And um, I think that, you know, Jacob Markstrom, I think he he puts more pressure on himself um, than anybody else. And everyone knows what he's capable of. And uh, the reality is, you know, there's there's a lot of chatter around. Can he find his game? Is he is he going to be able to get back to where he was last season? And um, I think that you know, whatever they do moving forward, I think they have two great options. But uh, you know, you look at the game again. Like I think that Thursday and Friday's games against Chicago and Seattle are just a perfect example of um, you know Thursday night. Uh, and I and I said it on air on TV, like yeah, Jacob Marshall, he made some some good saves. Uh, he'd probably like a few back, but the team did not play well in front of him. Uh, and you know you need help from your team. Uh, they they didn't play well defensively, uh, and they weren't scoring. So you know as a goaltender, how do you win games when your team's not doing that? Versus on Friday night, the the team was outstanding. The defense was was uh was solid and and they were putting the puck in the back of the net so um you know i think it uh you know that's up to the team too to address that is that an issue is that something that you know is is there a trend there and you look at the numbers and there might be a bit of a trend but how do you address that if you address that at all so uh, i think it comes back to you know the team just needs to focus on bringing a consistent level of play no matter who's in net. And you can't, as a player, you can't think of who's in net. Um, You need to focus on bringing your A game every single night. Jacob Pelche has played four games in the NHL over the last week. We've seen his ice time change, started below 10 minutes in his first two games and up into uh, the teens for his most recent couple of contests, got bumped up to play with uh, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto as well. Feels like they just want to know if they might have something here before the deadline in just over a month's time. But what have you made of uh, Jacob Pelche's play, already climbing up the lineup in just a few short games in the NHL? 
I really like his game, and I like that he's getting more of an opportunity. I think that uh, he has a lot of potential, and I think the next, you know, the next stretch here, um, if he's continued to be given more of an opportunity, I think that uh, we can see if he is capable of, you know, making the jump in terms of um, producing. And I think that that's kind of what they're looking for. You know, he can produce at the AHL level, but can he do it at the NHL level? But I really liked his game. I love uh, the energy that he plays with, um, you know, every single shift. It's, it's consistent in what he brings. But I also like for a guy his size, and I think something that the Flames have struggled with um, this season when they haven't been producing is getting to the tough areas. And even though he's not a big guy, I think we've seen him. He's he's been physical. He's getting to the front of the net. He's he's you know creating screens and flash screens and and that's an element of offense that the Calgary Flames really need. Um, and you know something I think the team needs to do con- consistently. But um, I would like to see him to you know continue to be given an opportunity i think you know we saw um you know phillips come up and he got a couple looks here and there and then it was back down you go i would like to see peltier get more of a look um i think as a player it's really hard if you're you know given two or three games and and that's kind of it um you know i think this guy has he has a ton of potential but i think that he needs to be given a, a good solid run with with a good amount of ice time. And I know Daryl Sutter talked about wanting mm-hmm. to get him in more and give him more of an opportunity. So I think that, you know, giving him a consistent opportunity, uh, I think that that will, you know, give them a really good sense and, and everybody a really good sense of can this guy produce at the NHL level. Not really Flames related, but uh, a blockbuster yesterday. Just uh, before we let you go, maybe a thought on the Bo Horvat trade as he is off to the island uh, for a package, including a prospect, a player, and a pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was, that was a big one, I think, everyone. Um, the, the line has been, we saw this one coming, but um, uh, the irony of this, and this was, I just thought this was so interesting. In 2013, um, Lou Lamarillo, when he was a GM for New Jersey, he traded for the ninth. He traded the ninth overall pick to Vancouver, uh, and with that pick, the Canucks drafted Bo Horvat. And then ten years later, uh, he trades back for Bo Horvat in in New York. So um, I just thought that was like an interesting piece and a little bit of irony of, of full circle, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously this has been talked about all year long is, you know, I think it started back when JT Miller signed his, uh, you know, seven-year, $56 million uh, contract. I think that, you know, it's been a tough year for Bo Horvat. And, um, you know, I think he said himself that it, it's been tough. You know, it's been a tough year, but that he's, uh, you know, grateful that he's going to get a fresh start. Uh, so I think the Islanders are getting a guy who's he's a real leader, obviously, and he's having a career best year, um, you know, and obviously, you know, when you look at trades and obviously the the big talk is, OK, who won, who won the trade or who lost the trade or who got the best deal? And I think that um, it, it depends on the angle that you're looking at it from. Um, you know, and the Islanders being a team that, you know, Lou Limarillo, it's, you know, reported he's in the last year of his contract and, 
you know, they're trying to make, make a push for the playoffs here. So they're wanting a guy who can produce now and, and to help move that needle and, and allow them to, to make a run. I think I saw in money puck, there's like a 12% chance that they're going to make the playoffs. So I don't know that Bo Horvat can move that needle far enough for them, but you know, that was what they wanted to accomplish with this trade. So you know, if you look at it from that standpoint, they got what they want. And then for the Canucks, obviously, with the turmoil and everything that's gone on there, I think, uh, you know, with the coaching change, um, you know, when, when big changes like that happen, and then when you're looking at trading your captain, I think that in terms of timing, it's almost good that it happened now versus closer to the trade deadline. It's like, kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off. <laughs> like, let's let's make this thing happen. But, you know, they're a team that's looking more so in terms of growth and development. So, you know, they're getting a, a middle six winger that, you know, can produce, hasn't as much uh, as of late, and, you know, and, and another player. And in terms of development, you're getting, a you know, a conditional first-round draft pick. So I think that they also accomplished what they, what they wanted to. But I think that at the end of the day, who – quote unquote wins the trade that's always determined by which players are successful after the trade and what happens down the road and you know you may not be able to tell that until uh you know figure out who who this first rounder first round draft pick is how do Beauvillier and Ruddy how do they do in in Vancouver so um you know I think it's a trade that you could really you could really dig into I think I've I was talking about it last night, um, you know, with a colleague for, you know, over an hour and uh, there's so many elements to it, but um, you know, I think that it's going to be a major adjustment for the Canucks. You're losing your captain and, you know, maybe the heart and soul of your team. So uh, I think it'll be a matter of, of how they adjust and how they move forward uh, from there. Megan Mickelson, Flames Sportsnet analyst, three-time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Megan, thanks for this, and uh, go polish the silver medal for us. Show us some love, okay? <laughs> I will. Show just, us some love. Just for that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Megan. All Let's right. do it again thanks soon. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, there's Megan Mickelson on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. It's a long time. It is. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403 248 3344. That recipe was old enough to drink when I was born. Wow. The more you know. Quick math. Uh, I like that. Um, got an announcement here. We're giving away tickets to a big comedy fest. The Great o- Outdoors Comedy Fest is coming August 26th to the 27th at Prince's Island Park. Uh, Andrew Schultz, uh, Jonathan Van Ness, uh, Monet Exchange and uh, Andy Leader, Annie Lederman uh, will all be there. More guests uh, to be announced, but we're giving tickets away next week. So I'm sure we'll find a fun way to give away tickets to this comedy fest, the Great Outdoors Comedy Fest, August 26th to the 27th this summer. Recognized a couple of uh, stars from RuPaul's Drag Race that's always on the TV in my apartment because Haley's a humongous fan. Okay. Are, are you gonna they go do now? a lot of shows. You gonna go, RuPaul? She's you, just printing. You go money. to the comedy fest. When is it? August twenty sixth to the twenty seventh. Maybe. Okay. It's a long way away. It is, but uh, we're giving tickets away uh, this week. Um, straight ahead, though, more on the Bo, Bo Horvat trade uh, with Randeep Janda, um, Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, Canucks analyst for Sports and Six Fifty, and we'll squeeze in Noah's uh, Inter Noah's smoking hot fifteen seconds Flames take. Love it. 
And we got to get to some Eric Francis. What's in the envelope text? What's in the and envelope? Got, and we got a couple good breakup texts as well. Oh, uh, we'll good. do that to wrap up the show. That's <laughs> uh, the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. You like the big pregnant pause there? Yeah, hold for effect. Is that what that was? From the... Doug Lacey's basement there, system Obama downtown bombs. studio. That, that felt a little uh, bit too long. We still got a few things to get to here uh, to wrap up the show. We got to get to what's an Eric Francis envelope. What's envelope? in the envelope? The envelope. Envelope. Uh, we got some breakup stories we want to share. They're very sad. And uh, our intern Noah has his uh, red hot 15 second flames take. Oh, she's hot. But right now, out of the blue yesterday, <laughs> Bo Horvat gets dealt uh, to the New York Islanders to talk about that. Uh, from Hockey Night, Punjabi, Canucks analyst for Sportsnet 650 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Randy Janda. Randy, how are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you? Are you, uh, are you still entertained by Vancouver and the roller coaster that <laughs> yeah, is the Vancouver no, it's, Canucks? You know what? I actually pity you. I pity <laughs> the people of Vancouver. Because I, I just don't get the direction. I don't understand where they're going. I don't know if they think they're good or they're a playoff team. It's just an absolute mess to me, Randeep. And I don't even think they're they're years away from even being relevant anymore. Sorry to be so blunt, and but I just look at the Canucks, and I, I literally pity them and their fans. Well, it's interesting because direction is the word um, that's been the buzzword in Vancouver ever since that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin took over. And really, if anything, this is the first sign of that direction where Bo Horvat, you know, being dealt to the Islanders, it, it comes after JT Miller was extended, which is a bit of a head scratcher because, you know, that to a lot of people would have been the move you make first of trading JT Miller, maybe at the last deadline. However, I think this is the first time that the Canucks fan base understands maybe what the, at least a two to three year view here is that you're taking a step back. You're going to try to stock the cupboards a little bit. And you're going to add first-round picks. You're going to add, you know, some prospects that you hope that can pan out. So, uh, George, I'm with you. I think a lot of the Vancouver fan base has been very confused themselves trying to figure out and understand what this team is. However, I think yesterday's move was a a sign of, all right, you know, when you move off your captain who's having a career year um, and you take a step and you pick up first-round picks and you pick up a uh, a guy that probably should have been a first-round pick a couple years ago, he fell into the second round. Uh, that's that's a signal of a direction. Whether uh, whether you know there's some things on that roster that still leave you a little miffed, but beyond that, guys, I, I think that's a clear sense of where the team's headed for the next couple of years. Uh, Randy, the, the number one question I had when I saw the deal yesterday was why now? Like why like so far out of the trade deadline when maybe there's a more robust market for him? Yeah, I do wonder about that myself. But uh, you know, any time a deal like this happens, and if you look at history with when Rutherford strikes, it's usually before the deadline. I know, you know, in Pittsburgh, he was a buyer, so he liked to get his business done early. Um, so him and Alvin here uh, in Vancouver uh, kind of went the same way. The other thing is against Columbus in that final game before the the uh, All Star break in the bye week, there's a couple of moments where you're just saying, "All right, Bo Horvat plays the game hard. You don't want to take chances." And there's a couple of moments where he took a stumble, he was hit the boards. And you know, this is a move that the Canucks had to make. After they extended J.T. Miller, 
they had to make this move. So if you're getting a deal, especially with the first round pick and where the Islanders may or may not be going, like guys, the Islanders are a team that's going to be competitive, but even with Bo Horvat, are they a surefire playoff team? Probably, you know, that's, you know, if you look at their odds, what they're at, you know, 15% on money puck or, or even less than that. Yeah. Um, I, that's a deal that you look at that first round pick and say, all right, that could be something this year. If not next year, the staying power with the, uh, the New York Islanders is not there. So I get why they might want to act a little bit early here. If you look at the, the prices that are being paid by contenders, you're essentially saying, hey, New York and that first round pick might be the best pick we get. So I, I, I kind of understand why they do it now if that, you know, that offer is on the table. So Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier will speak to the media coming up around 9.30 Calgary time. Uh, wanted to ask what was kind of the spin on the return from Patrick Alvine, who did speak yesterday, not Jim Rutherford. Uh, what was the kind of message on the return that they got at that press conference? Well, the message was, you know, this is very much in line with the plan and the direction. And even though people in Vancouver have been wondering what that direction is, I will say Patrick Alvine and Rutherford have been consistent in saying they want to get younger they want to get players in their uh, you know, early 20s. They want to accumulate draft picks. We hadn't seen action on that front. So Patrick Alvin was pretty proud about the fact that that's the move that they made here. And if you look at the prospect pool within the organization right now, for a team really outside of you know, one year in the bubble, uh, they haven't been able to make the playoffs. And even that year was debatable because they would have missed the cut you know, if the season had ended normally. But they don't have the prospect pool. So getting Atu Ratu, that first-round pick, uh, is extremely important. But I think going back to Ratu, the center position and right-hand defense are areas that the Canucks are, are in need of some serious depth. And right-hand defense is not addressed here. But picking up a guy that can play down the middle in you know 20 years of age is big for them. So I, I can understand why they're proud because you know they address an area of need. They address an area of need when it comes to draft picks. So the spin coming out of Vancouver is that they're following through on what they promised. Um, now, whether that's too little, too much, uh, depending on who you talk to. Uh, I know some fans are not happy with the return. I always thought the, the expectation of the return for Bo Horvat was really, really high. Um, he's having a great year. So I, I can understand why the organization's happy with what the, the package that they got. Because you do address a couple of areas, uh, and you had to make sure that you got a good package in return for the guy that's having a career year. Uh, Randy, I'm going to paint a really fun picture for you that'll add a All lot right. of uh, some good talk show fodder uh-huh. in about a month. You know, what brush if, Bob Ross? Yeah. Uh, what if Randy um, Bo Horvat doesn't sign long term with the Islanders? They're out of the playoff picture, and then they get a better return for Bo, Bo Horvat than the Canucks did. Well, you know, Canucks Twitter is going to lose it, right? <laughs> so that's that's generally like even if that doesn't happen, Canucks Twitter will find a reason to lose it anyways. But <laughs> if that happens. If that happens, it's going to be uh, ridiculous. And Lou Lamorello, yeah, if he can get a if he can get a deal, that's better. Uh, but here's here's the issue: Can Bo Horvat have a continuation of the season that he's having? Like guys, it's been unreal, right? And he's dropped off a little bit here in the last two weeks. But if he goes to the island and somehow puts up, you know, consistent numbers, even on par with what he was done in Vancouver, a credit to him. But yeah, Canucks fans, Canucks, you know, Canucks fans are always paranoid to begin with. If that were to happen, that's a full-on identity crisis happening on Twitter. It's uh, fascinating to watch this team. Uh, I got a couple of things that aren't related to the trade as well. 
First off, uh, I, I guess we'll keep in the in the vein, but who else could be moving out from this roster as the Canucks are outside of a playoff spot by a fair margin right now and probably going to be selling some more parts before March 3rd rolls around? Yeah, all focus goes to another leader on that team now. It's going to be Luke Shen. He's yeah. a depth defenseman, two-time cup champion, and really, you know, he's leading the NHL in hits. He's a physical player, and you got to keep your head up when he's on the ice, and there's going to be a few teams that should be interested in in him and he's really done a great job of resurrecting his career in Vancouver and in Tampa Bay for that matter where he was able to win those cups so you know I think the impending UFA in Luke Shen is the first option all other surgery on this roster I think it's going to go to the offseason you look at you know some of those names whether it's Connor Garland Brock Besser um, some of the defensemen who have you know really bloated contracts whether it's Oliver Ekman Larson Tyler Myers if anything happens on any of those fronts uh, you need teams to take a cap hit and at this point in time, prior to the deadline where there's no cap space to be had, I think those four names, whatever happens with them or doesn't happen with them, uh, that's going to be an off-season thing. So the one name that I look at is probably Luke Shen. He'd be valuable as a depth defenseman on some team. Outside of that, you know, you need teams with cap space to do business with you. And unfortunately for the Canucks, that's not possible right now. Rick Tockett comes in, replaces Bruce Boudreau as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Have you noticed any tangible differences in the way this team has played since the coaching change? In terms of, you know, X's and O's, they haven't really had it. They've had one practice. Um, so, you know, he comes in, he has the one practice, they play some games, and now they're on a bye week. Uh, the All-Star break camp, game, uh, you know, All-Star break hits as well. So it's been a, a weird one for Rick Tockett where he hasn't had that practice time. But one thing that does stand out, from him compared to Bruce Boudreau. And this is not a shot at Bruce Boudreau, but it's the accountability factor. Uh, Rick Tockett is not shy about letting people know that he's not enjoying their game. And after game two for the Canucks, he called the team soft. Uh, that's, that's one heck of a move, heading right into the building and demanding players be better, demanding players win puck battles. Uh, you know, so I look at the way that he's been able to you know, push some guys, and he's, he's also giving some you know, depth players more ice time to say, hey, we're not going to use... You know, when Bo Horvat was on the team or JT Miller, or Elias Pettersson, 24, 25 minutes a game. That's not how we're going to play. We're going to, you know, roll more line and ensure that we utilize some of the depth that you have maybe further down the lineup. Uh, but in terms of team play, it, they want to play quicker. They want to play faster. They want to be, uh, you know, better at defending. But as of right now, you know, the coach can only do so much. The personnel that they have doesn't really lend well to that style of play. So, you know, I think accountability and setting the culture for Rick Tockett for the remainder of this year is going to be key. And then Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford are going to have to bring in the players that he can play with, you know, he can play that style of game with. So I think right now it's between the ears for this team is get that style, get that mentality that Tockett wants, that Rutherford and Alvin want. And you're going to see probably half of this roster maybe moved out in the offseason and some new faces will be coming in June, July, and August. Randeep uh, Janda, host of A Hockey Night Punjabi, Canucks analyst on Sportsnet 615. I know you got to run. you got a uh, press conference to watch. Thanks for this, pal. We'll catch up soon. Thanks very much. And uh, until next time in Vancouver. Yes, you know, until you know, next, next time. Next time is coming, I'm sure. Uh, we'll continue <laughs> to pity you from over here oh. on this side of the country, okay? <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, there's uh, Randeep Janda. Um, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975, dining at 6060 Memorial <laughs> Drive Northeast. It's in a vault. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. It's like the Coke recipe. Yeah. It's in a vault and only two people really know it and they're not allowed. I told you this. They're not allowed yeah, to be on a plane at the same time. The two chefs? I don't know if they're chefs. I, chemists? Oh. I don't know. 
Chemists, I like that. Well, restaurateurs. Like if I asked you how to make Coca Cola, you'd have no idea how to do it. I was thinking about the pizza guy. But oh, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I wouldn't have used cook to describe. I'm yeah, sure somebody some actually sort of has the secret recipe somewhere. You're a scientist if you made up Coca Cola. Um, we got lots to get to here um, before we say goodbye. Uh, do you want to do intern Noah's uh, red hot flames take right now? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Noah, you ready? Absolutely. Okay, so yesterday you went on a Jersey rant. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, and today um, you have 15 seconds. Uh, we've refined our timer with you. So when the buzzer goes, you immediately need to stop talking. Got it. But you do have 15 seconds to get in any sort of red hot flames take you have right now. Are you ready? I think this one today is going to be more flaming hot than yesterday's. Okay. Is it um, going to be right. smoking? Smoking? All right. It's Hit it, very Alex. smoking. All right. it, Alex. Remember, Noah, five seconds and then your timer starts. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay, guys. Golden has been a big discussion on Flames Twitter this season. I personally think Dan Vladar will get the majority of the starts for the remainder of the season. And by this point next season, we will be seeing a Vladar and, and Dustin Wolf tandem. Wow, perfect oh, well timing. Timed. Well done. Well done. Spicy. Well wow. Um, I I like your effort. I like uh I like your take, but let me just ask you this. Why on earth would you want a 21-year-old as your backup goaltender to play a lot of games in the NHL? Where maybe it's not the worst idea to have, you know, more seasoning on Dustin Wolf in the American Hockey League. Why not give him the experience uh, at the backup level? Because it's easy to ruin a goaltender a lot faster than it is to develop. And you're asking Dan Ladar to do a lot. Yeah. that Because then, in a perfect world, if you are a young goaltender coming up from the AHL, I don't know, George, what would you say? Ideal games played for a goaltender in his first NHL season under the age of 25. Under 20? Yeah. Under I, 15? Again, uh, and there's no rush to bringing up Dustin Wolf. No. Let him cruise. Zero rush. But uh, no, I appreciate your disdain for Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's take. Thanks for this. You betcha. All right. There he is. Mm-hmm. Vladar Wolf mm-hmm. tandem next year. Are the Flames, do they want to tank? Is that what the plan is next okay, year? Okay. I don't With know. Jonathan Huberto, nine uh-huh. years left on his deal. Let me search the 2024 mock draft. Okay, guys. Here we go. I don't know Let's, if the no. goaltending would be that bad no. if they got rid but of But again, like Markstrom's had a down year, but. These are good problems for the Flames to have. Like, you have two capable guys in that. I I was going over the, when, when I was bringing up some of the, the Markstrom numbers for his birthday for the morning report, I was looking Happy at... Happy 33rd, Jacob. Happy 33rd. I was looking at the the string of goaltenders that the Flames have had since Kiprasov hung them up in 2013. Yeah. It's it's a wasteland. It is a boneyard. It is... Yeah. It's awful. It's sad like, to look at. Like I, so now they've got three goaltenders that might be able to play in the NHL. Don't, don't ruin that. Like as a Habs fan growing up, I went from Patrick Waugh to Jocelyn Tebow to Jose Theodore to <laughs> Carey Price. Oh, tough gig. Like pretty good. Yeah, and, and we all know you're well aware in Calgary that Jose Theodore had no business winning the Hart Trophy because the French media didn't vote for Jerome McGinley, Garbage. costing him the Hart Trophy. They were sleeping when he was playing. Yeah, that Garbage. was. <laughs> That garbage. was just absolute garbage. Um, we tweeted it out earlier uh, at Sportsnet 960, the official Twitter account of the radio station. Uh, there's a it's back in active. Know, conspicuous letter 
Um, I wouldn't say it's menacing, but it's a little odd that there's a letter that Eric Francis has yet to pick up that's been addressed to him. So we've been asking It wouldn't be the first piece of mail that wasn't picked up by anybody addressed to the station. And uh, what I'm asking is, uh, oh, don't hand me that letter. I don't know what's in there, Alex. It could be poison. How dare you? (laughs) Get it out of here. Like... Tendo's regular Alex Brody just ran the letter just into us. Like, I don't know desk. what's in there. Well, I thought you wanted to like hold no, it. No, I didn't want to hold that thing. I don't know it. what's in there. <laughs> it's got it's kind of firm. Okay, yeah. That's Sounds what I mean. Like, I don't know like, what's in it, there, Alex. Yeah, there's some cardstock or something in here. It's do not I, just Do I letter. look like I'm wearing a hazmat suit to touch that envelope? <laughs> yeah, did we get the robot in here to crack no this kidding. thing open? Um got some uh what's in Eric's uh Eric's envelope. Um, this is from Harold in Calgary. A $50 coupon for a muzzle from PetSmart. <laughs> oh. That seems a little... Don't muzzle your what? puppies. Yeah, what that doing? seems a little little aggressive. Um, Sean in Calgary, the Eric Francis pop. envelope has an unresearched, pointless hot take in it. Okay, that's... Feels a little firm. Like there could um, be. It feels like there's research in here. Uh, Greg from Calgary, hopefully, is transferred to Toronto. Jeez. Oh, Come um, on now. Uh, it's actually for you, George, and there's a surprise in there. Really? Really? <laughs> What's in it? There is? <laughs> oh, a piece of candy. Um, <laughs> More vacation days for George. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, do I have any coming up soon? I hope so. You know you do. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know you do. <laughs> so what? I'm taking the two days. I'm just taking the two days. Uh, after uh, <laughs> oh, so I got family be here day. Tuesday, Wednesday. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, George, do you realize eighty percent of the Flames fans hate Eric Francis? Right. That's not true. I've been, I've been, I've seen Eric Francis shake hands and kiss babies on the concourse he's, of he's the saddle. Probably the most notable media yeah. member Maybe in the city. Eighty percent of Twitter, and it's important to remember that one in five people have a Twitter account. So. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Um, I also uh, the muzzle's not for Francis Dog. Yeah, I, no, we we, we, know. we got what the I think we deciphered that. <laughs> we understood. Um, we also uh, talked about uh, with Croner uh, the worst possible area to break up with a girlfriend. Yeah, because this was floating around social media where a guy broke up with his girlfriend on a plane. So mid-flight, and she was hysterical, wailing around. And uh, we said, where's the worst place uh, to break up? Got a couple good ones here. Uh, I broke up with my girlfriend in Hawaii on April Fool's Day. She was not happy with me, but we did have a chuckle about it later. The next April Fool's Day, she tried to tell me she was pregnant, and I called her bluff. Brian from Brooks. How did you call her bluff, Brian? Did you go on Maury? Like, that's the part I don't understand. (laughs) Did you do a dance when you said that? You are not the father. Yeah. Like, how did you call her bluff? Maybe he just looked at a calendar and was like, no, that time doesn't make sense. Um, uh, we got a texture here. Please attach months? your name because you want to give me credit. That's a weird gestation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I forgot it was her birthday. Are you an elephant? Uh, I think maybe this is the reason why you broke up with her. Uh, I, for- I forgot it was her birthday and then yeah. showed up and then broke up with her on her birthday. Oh, yeah, so you were real. I don't you, were, you really cared about that yeah, one. I don't think you were too attentive to begin with. She might not have been the one. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, um, we got uh, we got lots to do tomorrow. Um, Heaps. I think we're gonna bring back your quiz. Little All Star Pop Quiz. Yeah, little All Star. I'm excited for this because how about uh, I like putting this together. Who should I think? Because Patrick's such an encyclopedia. Maybe he should square off against Intern Noah. Oh, I kind of wanted you to be involved, but well, we, I can definitely. Yeah, George, be you haven't done. We've done two pop quizzes. You missed both of them already. All right. How about the three of us are involved? You, Noah, and Patrick? Patrick? Yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of a 1v1 type of thing. Mm. Oh, okay. But So, screw Inter Noah, it'll just be Patrick and I. I wouldn't but... word it like that, but he's <laughs> okay. kind of SOL. Okay, all right. He does get his 15 seconds he'll with the Red Hot Flames. Yeah, he'll get take. his 15 seconds, and, and that'll be it. Okay. Maybe maybe we'll use him for a hint. You guys can go to him for a hint. He's if a you lifeline. Want it. Yeah, no, yeah. or it's like it's that part of Jeopardy where they have somebody come on and read the clue. Mm. A celebrity read. You know? I also yeah, wanted but... to get some callers involved because we've got a couple things to give away, being the beer league broadcast tomorrow. Right. So maybe we'll get some callers. They can pick either one of you to ride as Ooh. their horse, and we'll give them uh, a little bit of a beer league prize tomorrow. Um, we we announced uh, the comedy show that's coming to Princess Island Park. August 26th to the 27th. We're going to have tickets next week. Mm. I think I'll bring back some Impossible Flames trivia for that. Love that. Uh, I did just want to mention on the pop quiz as well, I wanted to give you guys the topics for the gauntlet today. Because I come up with topic names for the gauntlet portion. Okay. And then that is kind of a bit of a hint as to what you can look into to do your research today for the pop quiz. Now, I will mention... It's an all-star pop quiz. Okay. There is one question in the gauntlet that is not all-star related. That's specialty specialists. Specialty mm. specialists. Okay. The other topics, did you bring one for everybody? Okay. <laughs> Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Going to need a bigger boat. Okay. Those are your four topics for I'm tomorrow's I'm looking forward gauntlet. to that uh, oh, tomorrow. Uh, that's it for us. Patrick, uh, you got... Ben more, more Big Show? Yes. Like extra Big Show? Big Show Plus. Big, big show, show Prime. Plus. Big Show Prime? Big Show Now. Mm. Big Show Nine? I don't know. All the streaming services tacked on to Big Show Yeah, four. Big Show Google. <laughs> big Show Spotify. <laughs> It'll be on big Spotify. Big Show Apple. We are on all of those favorite podcatchers. Yeah. And, and frankly, you should go like, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. Because Great this job. is the best show on... Never mind. I don't... Yeah, it was a big. We're, it was gratuitous. We're, we're just barely better than college radio. Let's just leave it at that. Mm. I'll but give, hey, I'll give us that. No one came back. No, that's a pretty back. good thing because <laughs> apparently it's fun. Fun. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. Bye.